Second time in a row I've had to say this. Before we get started with this episode of the podcast, Walking with Dante, know that the passage that we are about to encounter is vulgar. It's funny, but it's not safe for work. But otherwise, we got a pack of demons to follow. So let's get on it. All these crazy demons love crack, big pig, butterfly, and Curly Beard. They're setting off. In fact, Curly Beard is leading this absurd parody of a Roman squadron along the ledge to see if any of the sinners are poking up in pitch. Hi, I'm Mark Scarborough. This is the podcast Walking with Dante. If you're just joining us now, you are coming in at a crazy moment. You're coming in at a moment where we are down in the giant circle of fraud. We're in the fifth of the evil pouches. We passed pimps and flatterers and seducers, and we passed simoniacs, and we passed soothsayers who don't tell the future properly, and we've also passed Virgil having to rewrite his own poem. And we've come down now to the barriters, the grifters, the people on the political take. They're sunk down in pitch in a ditch. Our guide, Virgil, and the pilgrim don't know how to carry on because they've been told the bridge over the next ditch, the sixth, is down and has been shaken down at an exact date, the exact moment when Jesus died on the cross. We found all of that out in the last episode. The evil tail demon mustered a whole group of demons together and said, set off and lead these two on to the next bridge while you're looking and seeing if any of the grifters are sticking up out of the pitch. And we're going to do something, one more thing before I start, that we never do. We're crossing a canto break. We're going to start in canto 21, line 127, and we're going to go all the way to canto 22, line 12. Good grief, master, I said. What is this I see? Please, if you know how, let's go without any escort service. I'm not asking for one on my account. If you're just as cautious as always, can't you see that they're grinding their teeth and threatening us harm with their eyebrows? And he to me, I don't want you to be so afraid. Let them grind away as much as they want. They're doing that for the stewed sorrowers. Then they turned onto the left embankment, but first, each of them stuck his tongue through his teeth to give a salute to their captain, and he used his asshole as a trumpet. I've seen knights break camp, get ready for an attack, and make their muster, and even retreat to save themselves. I've seen scouting parties in your land, you men of Arezzo, and even raiding parties, as well as the clash of tournaments and jousts at a full run. Some start with trumpets, and some with bells, or even drums and flares from the castle, even with native-born signals, or ones from far-off lands. But never with such a weird pipe have I seen a cavalry charge or foot soldiers advance or a ship set sail with a signal from the land or a star. 
Can I get more low street comedy than this? This is a fairly easy passage, although it has got a corker of a simile that starts off Canto 22. I'll show you where that break happens between the cantos. This is one of the few times that a canto runs directly and formally into the next canto. We've seen a few of these where we come across Plutus, the great enemy, and then there he is in the next canto. But these cantos just seamlessly move together and we go right over the break as if we don't even know it's there between the cantos. I think it is there. I think it's there for a problem. I want to talk to you about why I think it's there and what the problem is with that giant bit of Knights Breaking Camp and all starting the next canto. But let's first just look at the demons. Our first question here. After all, Evil Tale has summoned up the Ten, the Party of Ten, the parody of the Roman Squadron, and they're setting off. And her first question here is, who knows more about demons? And I ask you, who does? Look at how this passage starts off. The demons have formed. They've started to get ready and walk down the ledge and lead our pilgrim and his guide Virgil to the next bridge. And the pilgrim says, Oh my, oh good grief, I trust it's good grief, it's like, oh my, master, what is this I see? Please, if you know how, let's go without this kind of escort service, dude. I'm not getting in this cab, you know, it's like, sorry if you're an Uber driver. It's like if you're an Uber, you, you call an Uber, you know, and something shows up and you open the back door and a thousand beer cans fall out and you smell weed in the car and you're like, I, I don't I don't think I need to get in here. It's the same idea. Are, are you not seeing what I'm seeing? The pilgrim is saying to Virgil. And he's saying, I'm not asking for an escort service on my account. In other words, I think the point of that sentence out of the pilgrim is, I trust you, Virgil. I trust you that you know what you're doing. So we don't need demons to lead us to the next bridge. They've told us this bridge of the spoke over the pouches that were coming down. The next bridge is out, this coming bridge. So we don't need any escorts. Just walk down the ledge and we'll find the next bridge on down there. A, notice that they apparently can't see the next bridge. So it's not, you know, you have to take it on faith that there is a next bridge. Because otherwise he would just say, well, we'll walk on down to that bridge, thus seeing it. So clearly they can't see it. He also praises Virgil. If you're as cautious as always, if, you know, listen, Virgil, you've done this so far pretty good. We've, we, we had some problems at the walls of this, don't forget. But by and large, you've gotten us past the Minotaur. You've gotten us past Plutus. You've gotten us past Cerberus. You've gotten us past Karen. I did faint there, the pilgrim could say. But you've gotten us past Karen. By and large, you have done a great job of getting us this far. Just that little problem at this. But we got saved there. You've done good. What do we need escorts for suddenly? He goes on. Can't you see they're grinding their teeth and threatening us with harm with their eyebrows? And this is a callback at the end of Canto 21, all the way back to line 66. I translated that line a certain way, but this is actually the callback moment. So let me go back there. Remember, Virgil makes the pilgrim hide behind a rocky outcropping and says, I'm going to deal with the demons first. And he 
goes on across the bridge to the next embankment. He turns back around, and I translated it as he puts on his game face. The actual Florentine is he has a secure brow. So Virgil's secure brow back there in line 66 is in contrast to what are these probably malevolent, lowered, furrowed, maybe raised on one side eyebrows. I mean, it's clearly a clue. If Virgil's brow would indicate his confidence, the demon's eyebrows would indicate their malevolence as they look at the two of them standing there. Virgil says, he seems to blow off all the concern, right? He says, I don't want you to be so afraid. Let them grind away as much as they want. They're doing that for the stewed sorrowers, the, the people down in that boiling pitch. They're, that's that's why they're grinding their teeth. They're looking for them, and they're looking to see if one of them is sticking up, and, you know, yada, yada, they're on their patrol. So, hey, don't, don't be afraid. There's a curious little quibble right here. You know, Virgil's right. Don't be afraid. I mean, we've been told all along that this is a divinely sanctioned journey across the known universe. So when Virgil says, I don't want you to be so afraid, he's not wrong. He's actually right. We've known since Canto 2, when the virgin called Lucy called Beatrice, we've known all along this is a divinely sanctioned journey. And there may be dangers in it, but in modern parlance, there's nothing at stake. The Virgin has set this thing up. Lucy's set this thing up. Beatrice has set this thing up. This is a guided journey across the known universe. Don't be afraid. Virgil's right. Of course, what's so great about Dante is Virgil's also wrong, as we'll see. I mean, after all, would you trust a pack of ten demons named Curly Beard and Love Crack and Butterfly Imp and Big Pig and all that? Would you trust them? I Um, Not so much, which brings us to this question that I posed at the beginning of this segment of the podcast. Who knows more about demons? And that is what's being asked here. Who knows more about demons, a classical poet or a Christian pilgrim? You already know the answer to that. I don't even have to answer it for you. You should be looking at this, seeing Virgil say, don't be afraid, knowing that Virgil's (laughs) misplaced confidence is about to get them in trouble, seeing that the pilgrim is in fact shaking in the face of demons, that Virgil is the stalwart one, and yet understanding the nuance of the passage, Dante is brilliant after all, the nuance of the passage that Virgil's right, don't be afraid. This is this is all willed what where its willed is done. Great complicated ironies going on between a classical poet and a Christian pilgrim. Now the moment in which they leave. This is the end of Canto 21. It says they then turned onto the left embankment, but first each of the demons, each of them stuck his tongue through his teeth to give a salute to their captain. You know what they did? They gave him the raspberry. They made this noise, the raspberry, as we say in English, in order to say, you know, great, we're off. (laughs) Aye, aye, captain. It's so absurd. It's so low comedy. And then he, the leader, Curly Beard, turns around and farts at them. He used his asshole as a trumpet. He, that is literally what it says in the Florentine. In other words, his muster signal, the signal to set off, is a fart. 
This is as low comedy as it gets, as low and vulgar as it could possibly get. This is as 10-year-old boy as it could possibly get. I like it that in this pit, this evil pouch, this one of the Malabolgia, this is where Dante feels free enough to be a teenager. In the very crime he was accused of, he feels that he can be basically a sixth grader and make unbelievably low jokes. And then... In case you didn't catch it, we cross over into Canto 22 and we start with this insanely gorgeous mock simile. I've seen Knight's break camp. Knight! Wait, wait a minute. What just happened? He used his asshole for a trumpet. I've seen Knight's break camp. For gosh sake, just the juxtaposition of those two lines. Knights, the quintessential symbol of honor. I've seen knights break camp, get ready for an attack, make their muster, and even retreat to save themselves. And notice the little mocking right there. So we have the knights, they're in camp, they're getting ready for their big attack, they're forming their, their uh, you know, battalion forces, they're getting ready to move forward, and well, sometimes they kind of run away too, because they got, you know, they have to save themselves in some way. And then it goes on, I've seen scouting parties in your land, you men of Arezzo, and you should know there's a translation problem here. The word in your land is terra, and I know terra sounds like terra firma, and you think land, and I've translated it that way as land. Terra can also mean city, so it depends on how you translate terra as to how you're going to translate the line. Since I translated it as land, it's going to be about scouting parties or raiding parties that, you know, enter on the sly into territory where they're not supposed to be. If you translate it as city, then what it is, scouting parties are not people who are kind of crossing over territorial boundaries when they shouldn't. It's instead um, armed soldiers on horseback who put down civil unrest. They parade around the city in order basically to kill any citizens that are starting to cause a ruckus. So you should know that how you translate Terra probably influences how you translate that line. My point is that we're yet at another place. We were at night's breaking camp and all of that, and it seemed all glittery, but we had this little snarky or retreat to save themselves. Now we're back to um, warfare imagery. I've seen scouting parties in your land, you may have read, so even raiding parties. And then it comes back out from a kind of, uh, what do I want to say, low place? A play raiding parties is not exactly noble. It comes back up to the clash of tournaments and jousts at full run, which means we're back at those nights. We're back at moments of honor. So we go from moments of honor to moments of dishonor to other moments of dishonor raiding parties. Back to moments of honor. Do you see how beautifully constructed this thing is? And it goes on. Some start with trumpets and some with bells. Some Tuscan cities rang bells as warnings. Some blared trumpets or even drums and flares from the castle with native-born signals or ones from far-off lands. Notice how this is expanding out to a global reach. So there are all kinds of ways to muster soldiers. There's all kinds of ways to make them work together. There's all kinds of signals you can give, but never it ends with such a weird pipe as the guys bought, have I seen a cavalry charge or foot soldiers advance or a ship set sail with a signal from the land or a star? And that's where it ends. It ends on the word star. And you notice two things. One, we're back to the knights 
cavalry charge. So the whole simile circles back up onto itself into what this weird signal is. And it also ends on the word star, which is about the farthest thing from a fart, especially in Dante's cosmology. This is a gorgeous 12 lines that open Canto 22. It may be making fun of this signal that Curly Beard gives to get them marching. It may be all in grand hyphen, but if you could see this in the Florentine, it is all so beautifully constructed with vidi, I see, um, with quando, with con. There's all kinds of repeated words throughout it that structure it. There's six lines on nights and raiding parties, then six lines on various kinds of signals, yet it comes back around even within those signals to mention the cavalry charge at the end or to broaden out to foot soldiers. So we broaden out from the initial nights breaking camp to even the soldiers following them. And then we finally end at a place we've expanded so far out and so globally that a ship is setting sail and ships set sail based on either a call from someone on land, you know, it's time to leave, or from a star. They took their positions from stars. Many ships, particularly in the Middle Ages, set out at night because the stars were out. They did their basic navigation this way. So we've broadened this thing so far out and it is gorgeously constructed in fact so gorgeously constructed that we're back with the venetians remember the start of canto 21 the venetians and the pitch and building the ships in the arsenale look what starts canto 22 all about working together this may be a mock working together and making fun of the trumpet signal that Curly Beard gives. And yet again, these are people working together for a common purpose, giving signals, breaking camps, making raids, all of this kind of working together notion that these demons are also doing. But notice the difference. In the opening of Canto 21, the working together was a proletarian fantasy of some kind of perfect culture in which everyone does their part. Now we come out at the start of Canto 22, and it's the same sort of idea, except now it's all in fun. We've passed from very serious similes about how people work together and do their jobs to hear a simile about people working together, except now it's all about a fart. And so it's all very silly, funny. That opening gorgeousness of the Venetians in this entire sequence through the fifth Malabolgia, that, that opening sequence is here turned kind of on its head and turned upside down and the seriousness of it all is made fun of with this simile it's not exactly a simile i keep calling it that it's not exactly a simile but sort of it's a very very high literary high style simile in such a high style that it's very mocking and especially after it comes and tries to explain what it's trying to explain we just have to settle into this change of tone that we have come over this canto <laughs> and we have arrived at a place in which high level highly constructed poetry is being used to tell us what a fart is like there 
couldn't be lower medieval comedy than this. There couldn't be more adolescent comedy than this. There couldn't be more daring in a poem about God. Did you forget? Did you forget for a minute that we're in a poem all about God and all about theology and all about how to get saved? Did you forget all that? Yeah, it's kind of easy to, isn't it? That instead we've gotten vulgarities and we've gotten silliness and we've gotten crassness. And why do I want to say we've moved from the History Channel to Comedy Central and our poet is crafting this gorgeous 12 lines that open Canto 22, Vidi, Quando, Con, all this beautiful uh, parallel structure that runs throughout the simile, (laughs) all in the service of something incredibly vulgar. So they're ready to start out. They're a long way from a star, and now things are going to start to go off the rails. How could it not with ten demons leading you along a cliff? How could it not go off the rails? So subscribe to this podcast. Come back next time. Find out what happens to them. If you just dropped in here for the first time, my goodness, go back to the beginning and start way back in Keto 1 and walk all the way here with us. I know lots of people on Twitter. You can find me under my own name, at Mark Scarborough. Lots of people on Twitter. Lots of people who email me through my website, markscarborough.com, who are back in Canto 10, Canto 8, Canto 21, (laughs) Canto 14. It's okay. This is a quantum journey. We can all be on it at all points, at all times, but I'm going to be passing on to the bulk of Canto 22 in the next episode of Walking with Dante. I'm Mark Scarborough. See you then.